Good afternoon, everybody. Andrew Dustin with Jason Mackey, of course, as always. We're coming to you with just a few games left in the Pirates season. Uh, Jason, of course, out in Philadelphia covering the last game of a nine-game road trip, I believe. I've lost count here. Apologies. It's been a long one, brother. Nine (laughs) games, ten days. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. So I'm in Philadelphia. Before that, I was in Pittsburgh. Before that, I was in Cincinnati. Um, Had a layover at BWI. was in Chicago been a bit it's been a bit i'll be excited i'm gonna be in harrisburg tonight and finally get home tomorrow so i am i am ready to be home he's almost back to the 412 uh of course given all those travel travel (laughs) issues or not issues i should say just the nature of the job yeah (laughs) yep Uh, so by this uh, time of the year this this is you you tend to get pretty beaten down i have a large appetite for this stuff um i'm pretty obsessive but even even i'm there I was joking with Charrington yesterday. I said, this is that weird time, Ben, where like, I don't want anything to do with baseball. I want it all to go the heck away. And I'm also going to miss it in like three days. So right. it's, it's a weird, weird emotional dynamic for all of us. Anyway. Yeah. Come Tuesday, you'll be plopped on the couch watching playoff baseball once it comes around, just like the rest of us. <laughs> yes. yes. Very, so. very accurate. Well, on that note, though, we do have to finish up with a little bit of Pirates discussion. And uh, before we do that, I want to remind you all that we are brought to you, as always, by the North Shore Tavern. And if you love baseball, you'll love the North Shore Tavern. The interior is wall-to-wall Pirates. There are appetizers, entrees, cocktails, and, of course, steak and seafood on a sizzling lava stone. Open every day. The North Shore Tavern, across from PNC Park, is Pittsburgh's home for steak on a stone. Well, Jason, we've uh, given a little preview into life as a beat reporter uh, on the road there, but let's talk about the road trip in general. Uh, you know, before this trip, the Pirates had gotten a key win against the Yankees to salvage, uh, you know, one game out of a three-game series, and since then, a lot has taken place from comments from David Ross with the Chicago Cubs. The oh, manager man. there. I forgot, I forgot all about that. <laughs> yeah, it feels like light years ago, but that's that's on my mind. There's just been so much that's taken place, so... Yes. Um, Let's take this whatever direction you want to go with talking about the road trip. Start in Chicago or up to what's happened lately with the Johan Oviedo comments about what he wants to do for 2024. There's a lot to unravel. So uh, let's get yeah, Johan Oviedo has some interesting goals, um, <laughs> which I don't I don't disagree with him, by the way. I, and I thought I thought the comments were outstanding um, it, here. Here, I'll keep pulling the curtain back a little bit. So uh, he he answers that. And I. I, I was planning on not asking the next question. I guess nobody else had a question. And he says that, and I, I start, I'm talking like I, I was, I'm stammering, you know, I had, I was completely thrown off by what he said. Um, and if you haven't seen his comments, like you can either infer from my story or I tweeted the actual one. Um, but it was just sort of a funny moment where like, what do you say to that? Like, that's almost <laughs> like a walk off or um, I wish I would have phrased it differently, but I don't disagree with him at all. Um, and I will I will circle back the thoughts on the road trip. But, um, you know, you have to pitch like that. A.J. Burnett pitched like that. Some of the best pitchers in the world pitched like that. And for Oviedo, it's probably hard because he is one of the nicest guys in that clubhouse. He's it, You can't walk past Oviedo without him saying hello, giving you a fist bump, you know, patting you on the back, something like that. You know, baseball is very different than other sports and that there is interaction between um, reporters and players probably more so than – football or hockey or anything and uh you know whatever you have to do to get in that zone uh, do it you know get mad get become a different person i go back to rich hill and what he was like i mean rich hill was literally the nicest professional athlete i've ever met 
and probably ever will meet. And you've seen him on the days that he pitches where he's screaming and punching things and he's a lunatic. Um, so, yes, I'd like to see Oviedo do that. Um, there's been a lot on this trip, though, man. There's been a lot. And I would say that probably the overarching sentiment I would I would use is just they've been a pain in everybody's butt. It's been kind of fun, right? Like they didn't prevent the Phillies. The Phillies still clinched. The past two haven't been the greatest games. But it's kind of fun seeing, you know, what they did to the Cubs, what they did to the Reds. Um, curious what they do with the Marlins. Obviously, that's once we get home. But they've played some pretty good ball here. Yeah, can play spoiler, of course, to the Marlins fighting for that wild card spot. I mean, it's it's fun because I think this is a different kind of when I looked at it at the beginning of September, I looked at the month and said, okay, well, you know, things have probably fallen out of contention for the Pirates, of course, just given where they were at the standings. And, you know, it's one of those play out the rest of the season, just kind of grind it out and get it through. But then you look at the schedule and go, well, these are kind of meaningful baseball games, at least for the other team. And it seems like the Pirates, I mean, for me observing from afar, it feels like they've kind of stepped up to that challenge of, we want to be that thorn in people's sides and yep. they've kind of done a good job of doing it, but also, you know, produce some things that are some positive trends, maybe going into 2024 that you look at as these are some positive building blocks, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And the way they've done it, um, the style of baseball they've played, the pitching has been important. You know, I, so what Oviedo didn't pitch particularly well last night. I think there's a ton to build on for him. You know, Mitch Keller had the elbow scare and I mean, obviously that's, a concern or it was a concern in the moment, I should say, but he's pitched really well. Um, Jose Hernandez has missed a couple times, uh, missed last night to Bryce Harper, but I would say the bullpen more often than not has been good. I mean, that's stuff people ask me a lot. Is this repeatable? What do you think about next year? Are they going to be able to compete? They're competing now. They're competing now. Why, why wouldn't they be able to compete next year? Uh, and you can say silly season, this, that, and the other, but I mean, this started in July. It started July, you know, 18th or something. I think that's like our track back date. They had a really good August. They've played well in September. They've played well in September against teams that have had something to play for. I, I don't see any reason this can't continue. In my opinion, it can get better, actually. Like, I, you know, we've seen building blocks emerge, but have we gotten the best out of Henry Davis offensively? No. Have we gotten the best offensively out of Andy Rodriguez? No. Um, I think Nick Gonzalez can still come up here and be a part of this thing. Um, you know, a lot of what they're doing is very much sustainable. Do I think he, Brian Hayes can hit like this? Yeah, I, I do. If healthy, I think he's starting to, you know, realize what he is and what he can be as a hitter. I think Brian Reynolds can do the same. Jackson Winsky the same. Um, and, you know, they don't lose guys. It's not like they have a bunch of guys whose contracts expire at the end of the season. Uh, you know, business-wise, almost everybody's going to be back. And so I don't see why they can't replicate this in some form or fashion. They need to add this offseason. Uh, Joe Starkey had an excellent column yesterday. I completely agree with all of it where it's time for Bob Nutting. And to be fair, like I'll give Bob credit where it's due, extending Hayes, extending Reynolds. Like he's done the requisite things. But like right now, the next step in the process requires you to go out and sign a legitimate starting pitcher, bring him in here for a, you know, a not cheap rate. Um, so I, they need to do that. need to look at first base. But yeah, a lot of the pieces that we've seen here, man, they've uh, it's very encouraging. Yeah, you mentioned up the mentioned those two uh, places of need, right? The starting pitching in first base. I know that's something that we've talked about a lot on some of these previous podcasts. But is there anything, you know, kind of extrapolating that idea? The last few weeks, is there anything that's given you an indication of, okay, maybe they're in a better position in one of those spots or in a worse position than they were at the beginning of September? Like, where is your mind at with the pitching depth versus with the first baseman depth? Um, than maybe when we were discussing this a month ago or two months ago. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good question. I I don't know if they're in a better place with the pitching depth. I think that's hard. That would be hard to do. Um, if anything, I worry that they're maybe in worse a worse place with the pitching depth. Um, you know, we're recording this on Thursday. Ortiz is going to pitch tonight, so I I don't I don't want to say anything definitive about him, but I will say that prior to his start on Thursday night, I've not been terribly encouraged by what I saw. Um, you know. Quinn Priester has made some adjustments and has looked like a better version of himself, but is that enough that I'm going to buy the stock for next year? I mean, I'd like to think so. Um, I, I was on Cook and Joe this afternoon, and I said that I thought he would do enough in spring to earn a starting rotation spot. So, I mean, I like I do believe in the kid, but I'm trying to look at, you know, all of what we've seen right now and, and provide, you know, arguments both ways. Rowanzi Contreras worries me. You know, I thought he would be up here in September by now. He has not been. Um, so the pitching, I would say, probably not in as good of a spot. First base is different for me, Andrew. I, I, I've really liked what Jared Triolo has done. Um, and I think you could go a couple different routes with Triolo. I mean, you could make him your everyday first baseman. I think I'd probably like to use that to spend a little bit of money this offseason. I know people have kind of used that, and, and I'm one of them. Uh, my, my feelings have kind of shifted on it to use that more as like an offensive-based position. But if you give me Carlos Santana for like three, four million bucks, I'm signing that. I, I absolutely am. I think he adds a lot to the clubhouse offensively, defensively. And so I feel better about that with the option of having Triolo there. I think he can go there. He can go to second. He can go to the outfield. Um, so, yeah, it's one and one. Yeah. With Triolo, yeah, I mean, Triolo is one that stood out to me just the last couple of weeks that, you know, I, I knew it was a position that he was capable of playing, right? You and I both have seen him, the defensive work he's done, whether it's spring training or in the minor leagues and now in the big leagues. Like, this is a guy who is – certainly capable of it but the question was the bat and i feel like this is still a very small sample size right like i don't want to get too in over my head about it but since he's come back up from triple a i feel like there's just been that extra pop in his bat and i don't mm -hmm. know um you know how that i can really say it any better than that is that he's proven that if he can play defense the way he can and hit to this degree or at least something in between this and what he was doing at first where it was you know primarily singles and striking out at a high rate like if he's somewhere in between those two versions of the major league version of uh jared triolo this is a guy who could be an everyday first baseman but yeah. again that's a lot to peg into going into 2024 i think it's good to have that insurance or security blanket or however you want to phrase it but uh that's been a development for me that makes me feel better about first base um and similarly i'm in agreement with you about the pitching depth i think there's a lot of concerns there and getting an arm or getting a second arm probably a good idea right <laughs> yeah and he's just a, a double back on Triolo. He's an interesting player, isn't he? Yeah. Like somebody, his height size, you expect to be like a prototypical power hitter. He's just not, um, there's power in there. He's bringing the power out. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that, but I mean, he handles it at bat pretty well. Saw it last night. He worked two walks, pair of singles, um, runs the base as well. Can actually, you know, he might be a 20 stolen base guy at some point. I, I don't think that's outside the realm of possibilities. And, Again, you see him at second base, you you think of middle infielders being like shorter and whatever, and he's not that, but he's very smooth. And I, I, I've i loved the defense I've seen from him over at first base. It, he looks like a, a natural over there. It's it's not a chat. Well, I shouldn't say it's not a challenge for him, but he's handled it very well. So, yeah, really, really liked Triolo. Yeah. Well, on that note, we uh, earlier in the conversation, though, touched on the pitching a little bit. You brought up a almost scary moment, I guess you could call it, for Pirates fans with Mitch Keller. Um, your your expression there says it all. Uh, you saw it firsthand, I guess. First, I'll ask you, what was it like seeing that live? Where did your mind kind of go? 
And uh, second would be, um, you know, he's scheduled to potentially make another start here one more time before the season comes to a close. Uh, what would you do about that? But first, uh, take us through what was it like being there at the Citizens Bank ballpark? Yeah, so I, I rode the elevator down with Neil Walker. And first thing I said to him, like, I'm worried, Neil. I'm worried. Like, it's just I've seen enough baseball and you got a pitcher, you know, kind of shaking his arm out. And, and, you know, I used to do that, man. If I was having arm problems, I'd be like sitting there shaking my wrist like this, trying to get like blood flow going. And, you know, I know what happened to me and it's not what I would hope would happen to Mitch. Um, but, you know, he explained it that he will sometimes nick his elbow with his glove in a funny spot, hits his funny bone and kind of goes like tingly. I guess I'll buy it. Um, his brother chimed in on Twitter and said something similar. Um, talked to Mitch yesterday. He said he's feeling no ill effects from it. I uh, believe he went out and played catch, worked out. Um, as for Sunday, and I, I think to that point, Andrew, I mean, you have to take a guy at his word, right? Like right. He, he, you're at this level. You, you've got to respect what he says and, and whatever. I mean, what am I going to do? Go you know, force him into an x-ray room and, and take a look at him. Like, that's what he's saying. Um, assuming he is good, I'd start him. I really would. If he's telling me I'm healthy, I'm fine. Um, I'd say, I, I, you know, if I'm Shelton or whatever, I hope there's enough trust built up that say, like, if you're not fine, I want you to tell me and that's okay. And we'll handle it. I'll protect you. But like, I need you to be honest with me. Um, and so I, assuming he's saying, yes, we're good. I'd, I'd start him. I think I think the track that Mitch is going down is a very good one for his career, for him, um, you know, reaching 200 innings. I'm sorry. I do think that's meaningful. 200 innings, 200 strikeouts. I haven't looked at the numbers, but I know there aren't many with 200 innings. So Mitch would be, I believe, the fourth or fifth. Um, and it ain't going to be many when, when all's said and done. And so you're telling me 200 innings, 200 strikeouts. We're going into the offseason where there's talk about a contract and that sort of stuff. I mean, it's a premium rate. And for the Pirates, you're going to get that sort of consistency from a guy. You know, you're going to sort of put another stake in the ground and say, he's not going anywhere. We're going to have the ace of our rotation, one of the best pure starters in the game, some certainty when they haven't had much around it. So, again, it's just one start, but I would I would give him the courtesy of, of doing that because I think he's earned it. Yeah, I think it's a it's a twofold answer for me on the topic because I think you touched on a good point there. If he's earned it in terms of making that decision, um, but if he's putting that trip decision in the Pirates, if he's putting it in Derek Shelton and Ben Sherrington as to whether or not you know put it in their hands, which you know it is the case, sure. But um, I think for me, I would be hesitant to have him start Sunday. It's not related to what we saw on Wednesday in Philadelphia or excuse me Tuesday. Um, it's just. I don't know. For me, it's there's always been, a lot. been enough. Yeah, it's it's been enough. I mean, it's the problem for me is just like, what are you playing for at this point now? Like, and it's more so, hey, to treat the fans well on your fan appreciation day and show them this is the guy that we have faith in. Like, I do think that stuff matters, but I think it also matters to be careful when it comes to games that, for lack of better phrasing, no longer mean anything. It was yeah. fun when they were playing spoiler and playing good teams, and it was good to have bellwether stock, right? To see. How do you stack up against other teams that are competing for playoff spots? But it's one thing if it's the Cubs. It's one thing if, you know, if they were better, if it were the Cardinals or something like that. It's the Marlins. You know, my mind just kind of goes to the point of it doesn't matter a ton other than if Miami is truly playing for a wild card spot on Sunday. So yes. I, I'm just fearful with arms. Both him and Oviedo have long since surpassed their MLB, you know, previous career highs. So 
I'm a fearful guy with arms. I'm scared, but also I, <laughs> I, I would like to think the team will do what's in their best interest. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm with you to a degree, but I think, and I've talked to Shelton about this. I mean, guys graduate out of that, you yeah. know, and in the context of that was more third time through, and that was Shelton's argument. Like if you, you know, dis or if you prove to me that you can handle the third time through, then you know we're not gonna. Like nobody takes Max Scherzer out of the game because it's the third time through the order, right? Like he's broken through that wall. And obviously Mitch has done that with the third time through. Now, is Mitch going to break through with, you know, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to handle this. And I mean, some of your best pitchers, like if you, again, put this in like the Scherzer translator, if his team was out of it, he's got the last game of the season. Is somebody going to tell him to sit down? And he's going to be like, no, I'm not sitting down. I'm pitching. It's my job. I'm taking the ball. I'm pitching. Um, and I get the sense that's almost what the Pirates want to see from Mitch. You know, that like within reason, of course, you know, but somebody that says, I'm good. I'm pitching. Let's go. Get on my back. And and Mitch with his performance has said that. Oviedo with his performance has said that. Um, so to me, that's the opportunity that's here to sort of make that statement um, for Mitch, for the Pirates, for anybody. Now, that being said, this is obviously a conversation that is had internally, probably with Derek Shelton. It's helped along by trust developed throughout the year. If Mitch says like, my elbow's funky, man, I'm gassed. Like I'm good. And then you're Shelton and you just come out and say, I w- no, I'm not letting him start. He advocated for it. It's just too risky. I'm not doing it. He's worked enough. This is, this is on me, you know, and, and, and you wear it. You don't, you don't let the player and, and Shelton's done that. To a degree, and that's one of the things that I respect about him and how he communicates with people. Uh, but that's that's the way I would handle it. I would have none of those conversations externally. But you sort of get a feel for what Mitch does. Now, I like I'm I'm saying though, I do think it's a chance for him and them to sort of make a statement about where they stand and what they think going into next season. Yeah, plenty of context there on the Keller front, of course. Um, I guess on that note, that kind of segues me to one of our next conversation points, which you see there at the bottom of the screen. Uh, because Keller is a ca- potential candidate for that um, team MVP, in your opinion, uh, just to provide greater context, you know, these are awards um, on the team's behalf that we vote on uh, as writers covering the Pirates. This is my first year getting to do so. It's a bit of fun little exercise for me, um, I have to say, but uh, balls in your court, Jason, uh, okay. team MVP, who'd you go I, with? I think it's a pretty good, uh, I don't know if I can reveal my vote. At the, well, I guess, I guess I can. Um, because I wrote about it for uh, off the bat as well. Um, That's going to be live by the time uh, this comes out. So um, I went with Key Brian Hayes. And I think it's a fascinating exercise because I could see it being key. I could see it being, I mean, I could see it being David Bednar. As weird as that sounds, like he's been so good at the back end of games, especially during the second half of the season. Like that's been important. Brian Reynolds has been extremely productive. Um, you know, he's what 24 homers now he's been on base for the past 25 games, something like that. But I can't get over what Hayes has done, you know, really what, since the all-star break since yeah. June, something like that. I mean, it, it, yeah, I don't know if it tracks back to June. I'm second guessing myself now, but you know, his numbers have gotten really good, man. Like I know since the all-star break, it's basically an OPS of 900 an average over 300. You had the defensive value in there. He's obviously been one of the best defensers, de- defensers, defenders in all of baseball. I mean, he should win a gold glove. He's been most valuable on the team. I think you see how good this team can be when Key Brian Hayes is productive. Uh, that is no small part 
given, you know, how well they played down the stretch. He's obviously played extremely well. Some of his best defensive plays have been through this stretch. So that's why I went with Hayes. What about you? Stole my thunder, man. Went with Hayes. Wow, you went with Hayes too. Yeah, went with Hayes. And good that you brought up Bednar because he was another one that I had of the, the three choices that I made there. But I had Hayes one. And I think you touched on a lot of important points there. And uh, just to extrapolate that further, look at June and July when he was hurt, right? Like yep. missed pretty much every game in July. Uh, June was sidelined for a good chunk of that. The team floundered. Um, there's yep. no secret to that. So I look at it as... Um, yeah, with me, with Hayes, and, you know, another point, I guess, on the gold glove discussion is just, uh, to me, how it's such a shame that a guy has to produce with the bat to really get recognized the gold glove. Um, it's a real shame that it is that way, because it's a guy who could have a few. Obviously, Nolan Arenado is deserving in his own right for all the ones that he's gotten, but, like, I guess what's been enjoyable for me in terms of just observing a guy who I do think is the team MVP is, one, how big of an impact he makes when he's in the lineup, two, the steps forward he's made this year, and yeah. three, how well the team has played, like you mentioned, uh, down the stretch these last two months with a healthy firing on all cylinders, Hayes. He's a team MVP for me. And I, if you had asked me that question in June or July, wouldn't have even crossed my mind. But the last right. two months has certainly changed that tune for me. Yeah. I Again, this is going to go into a bigger conversation, but I, I think they have some really good pieces here. I really do. Like, they, <laughs> Key Brian is obviously a keeper. That's an obvious one. Uh, you know, same with Brian Reynolds. I look at Jack Sawinski, you know, I'm just going through some like numbers that I came across, but I think I said this with Cook and Joe had a more home runs and a better slugging percentage than Fernando Tatis Jr. and Paul Goldschmidt this past season. Like that's not insignificant. And now we're at three of eight positions. Okay. We're going to add O'Neill Cruz next season. Um, if you bring Carlos Santana back, bring Andrew McCutcheon back, you're going to put a, a first overall pick in right field. Maybe. I mean, you, you've got some work to do with the defense. I don't think anybody's terribly worried about Eddie Rodriguez. He's been quiet to this point, but there's some serious intrigue there. And, you know, once again, I think it, it starts in a large way with Q. Bryan, which what we've seen, um, you know, and it's just let, let's also just step back for a second and appreciate the defense. It's a regular conversation. It's actually funny um, with visiting writers. I don't know if you've encountered this on any of your trips where they're they're sort of like blown away by stuff that he does and then it will lead to like a, a post scrum banter and then like Shelton will get into it because he loves talking about Hayes's defense you're like yeah well then, then there was this play I know it was like the play he made last week and you know we all have like these moments where we're like how the heck did he do this um you know just like subtle reads that he makes so anyway it's it, it's been really really good I'm gonna be irate if he doesn't win a gold glove this year I mean like what? What else do you have to do uh, to win it? But yes, he was my he was my MVP. Although again, there, there's a pretty good case made by Bednar, pretty good case made by Keller. I do have a tough time putting a pitcher in an MVP category just because one, you have your own; two, you're there only every fifth day, or you know, two out of three max, or something like that. I mean, everyday player and what Hayes has done has just been so darn good. Yeah, Bednar's a fun one to throw in there, and same with Keller, just because of what they've done in terms of, you know, being the all-stars, being those glue guys for the staff. But, yeah, to your point, it's like if you're not playing every day, it's kind of hard to make that argument. You got your own award, but um, a fun little anecdote I'll share on the, ha share on the Hayes front. Um, yes, I've had those kind of interactions with other beat reporters on the road, um, but the one that I think really made me laugh the other day was I think it was Tuesday's game. It might have been Wednesday. I'm going to say it was Tuesday where I was driving around listening to the game, 
and Greg Brown made the call of give him the gold glove already after yeah. one of, some play that Hayes made. And I was like sitting there screaming at my radio, basically like, yeah, I agree. What, yeah. what more is there to do? I've seen it all. <laughs> Very true. I mean, yeah. I don't, you know, it's not, it's not a slight to Nolan Arenado. I mean, Nolan no. Arenado is very good, but like it's sooner, it's, it's sometime this is going to switch. And if it's not this year, then I, I don't know what we're doing. I mean, or, or award two of them. I don't know. Um, but like, I know what good defense is and that's good defense. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about a fun one though. Yep. So another part yeah. of the BBWA awards and we can't, we can't say who we voted for, who we going to, we think, is going to win. This is just, we'll, we'll end on something lighthearted. The media good guy award. Who, who are our candidates? Yeah. A um, couple of candidates come to mind. Um, I'll list them off for you. Uh, just ones that come to mind immediately for me. Uh, yep. Joshua Palacios would be one. Yep. Andy Rodriguez would be another. Leo yep. Piguero. Yep. Um, those would be the three that immediately popped to mind for me. Yeah. How about you? How about you? They're up there. They're very much up there. I, I forget who I voted for. I just, some sort of fog. I can't. I can't. But, you know, those guys are there. I, I think Keller should be in the conversation too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talk about somebody who gives you strong, uh, usable stuff. Oviedo's another one. Yeah, Oviedo's <laughs> fun, man. Just a, yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's great media or terrible media, but it's. Good, and he, he's always available. You know, those guys, you can always get them on something. And, and you know, lately with stuff I've been working on, they've been very helpful. So, uh, Bednar, same way. You know, yeah. he's always around. He's always there. He's always good. Um, you know who? But there's one that we're forgetting. Oh, is, is it Connor Joe? No. Okay. Because he'd be one that he'd be another one that comes to mind for me on the David Bednar kind of same line of wavelength. But who you got? No, you got to guess it. Ah. Uh. Right here, live on a podcast. Mm. I can't uh, believe you haven't gotten this already. Haven't gotten it already. Uh, can I get a hint? A position? Like he plays it, one. It, he, <laughs> I'm never. I'm never gonna get this. Uh, let me think. Um, Come on, man! I got nothing, man. I'm blanking. Cutch. Oh, that's. My mind is so bad, man. When guys like off the twenty-six man roster, like they evaporate from my mind. Andrew so McCutcheon is dead to Andrew because he's out for the season. Yeah, I'm. I'm just a bad person. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that is. I deserve all the blame on that one. But that's a great one. So yeah. I was thinking about this. Like those guys are very good. They're they're, Andy Pagero. They're fun. Who was the last one you mentioned? I, I wrote it uh, down. Palacios. Palacios. Thank you. Um, I have a little bit of a part of like problem with like only being here for for a part part of the time, yeah. but one of the things that I respect so much about Kutch and Carlos Santana, when you have crappy losses, bad stuff happen, they're always there. They're yeah. always there. They might not want to talk. They might not want to be bothered, but they're always there. And Santana was especially good at it. It was always like something bad happens. We all went running to Santana. Um, but the fact that he's gone, um, you know, leads me to. Kutch, but I mean, Kutch dealt with so much attention with the the return. Not that it's, you know, I mean, he makes a lot of money. He can handle it. He's not going to spontaneously combust. Like he's good, um, but he's also just very good at talking to people, relating to people. I've enjoyed so much getting to interact with Kutch this year, getting to know him. I didn't cover the first go around. Just Kutch sitting in his locker, you know, talking about random stuff that's three miles from on the record, not even related to baseball. Just a good dude 
Um, so he was he was somebody I'd put up there as well, even though you forgot about him. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm gonna take the fat L here. Like I'm, you know, the Smash Mouth song. I'm putting the L on the forehead. But oh boy, yeah, um, he's up there, man. Yeah, he's he was nothing but a consummate professional. And this is my first year interacting with him in any capacity, other than observing him from afar and had heard nothing but good things about him from time in San Francisco and obviously, you know, here in Pittsburgh, of course, and uh, just nothing but a consummate pro. I can't say anything more than him about that. So he's a good call on your part, including him in the list. Bad call, of course, on mine. That's all right. So I will not have those in my Sunday off the bad call, or I will not have the media one, uh, but we'll have other superlatives and that's online. Now check that out. Um, either Andrew or I will have a piece on the Pirates BBWA award winners this weekend. Um, we've all voted on them. We don't even know the winners there. We know who we voted for, but we're trying to keep that little hush-hush. Um, so we'll have a piece on those, talking to those guys at some point during the homestand. So make sure to check back Post-Gazette for that. You want to send us out of here? Yeah, I think that's my cue. Uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, we'll have you posted with another podcast, of course, next week, kind of wrapping up the season but in the meantime keep following along with the rest of our wonderful content on the post gazette sports youtube channel for jason mackey i'm andrew destin and we will catch you all next time thank you for checking out this content from post gazette sports if you enjoyed the video please like it and subscribe to our youtube channel check out our apple podcast channel for more podcast content click below for a special deal of 99 cents for a three-month subscription to the pittsburgh post gazette